Good morning. Or how about good afternoon now? Hey, that's a great worship set, and I'm glad you're here. Take your worship guides and turn over to the back side. There's a place for keeping up with notes and uh, tracking along a little easier. We're in part three of a really interesting series called World's Greatest Prayer. And this is all about the Lord's Prayer. It's uh, better known as the Disciples' Prayer, but it's more commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And if you have a Bible, open to Matthew 6. That's going to be our text for today. We'll look at a lot of other scriptures to go along and supplement and build this up. But we're going to look at one line, like every week we've just been kind of breaking it out for this six-week service because we know that uh, Jesus told his disciples, or they were asking him, and they're like, he didn't say, hey, I'm going to teach you all how to do aerobics, I'm not going to teach you how to heal, I'm not going to teach you how to preach. He said, teach us to pray. So this morning we're going to be continuing our study in the Lord's Prayer because it has become so ritualistic in our world as I talked about the last few weeks. So we're just building upon the, the kingdom authority that this prayer has for our life. So uh, let's just pray about that. Lord, I thank you for this uh, time to gather and to meet and to worship in spirit and in truth. Lord, move me out of the way. May we see Jesus exalted. May we see your word come to life in our life. And Lord, may it be the fresh bread that we need for our souls desperately in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, last weekend, we were talking about the kingdom. And I was just curious, how many of you embraced the kingdom this past week? Maybe in new ways, new dimensions, new depths. Some of you are trying to maybe figure that out. Feel free to go online. I'm amazed how many people are going online and listening uh, to the sermons on the web. We're grateful for our new website. But as I think about this prayer, we all, or not all, but many people learned it at a young age. I, I learned it at a young age, not even having... Uh, Christians in our home. I was the first Christ follower and then led my parents to the Lord. But I can remember learning this prayer. And there was this little boy who was learning this from his mom and dad. Maybe he was in a dedication service like we had today. And as the kid grew up and he was learning and mom and dad were so proud. And the kid was like, you know, our father, which art in heaven. And he was, man, he was nailing it. And he came down to this one part and he goes, and Lord, instead of deliver us from evil, he said, deliver us some email. Well, you know, in, in our world today, you know, that would be pretty pertinent in 2008. God didn't want to deliver us email. He wants to deliver us himself in his word. So we're just building through it, and we're seeing uh, what it's about. Look at the top of the outline, and there's a box. And I want us to look at this, because this is how this prayer builds. This part of the prayer comes after we have spent lots of time in worship and adoration for who God is. We must reverence his holy name and ask for his kingdom to rule before we ask that for ourselves. So up to now, we've been building about the person of God, His holiness. He's holy in the temple. He's exalted in our lives. And then look how it shifts. And we ask for His kingdom to rule before we ask for ourselves. The first half of the prayer is directed to His person, to His purpose. And the second half is for, for, for provision, pardon, and protection. And that part, it kind of becomes more on the human level, and it begins to come out where we walk. Up here, it's real vertical, and that's so important because we have a vertical walk with Christ. But then he says it's horizontal and we need the goodness of God in our daily life. So look at the first blank here. Come daily before the Lord for fresh bread. I don't know about you, but I like fresh bread. I mean, you go to a restaurant and they have these rolls and they have the honey butter. I shouldn't even talk like that at this time of day. I mean, and, 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 and you just, you smell the aroma and, and maybe the food's a little slow and you're like, that's okay. Just keep bringing the bread, man. Just keep bringing the, the you know what I'm talking about? And you don't go, hey, bring me the bread y'all had last week. Bring me some of that hard stuff. No, you want the soft bread. You know, I grew up over in Dalreda, and there's this little store that's still very popular, and it was real popular when I was a kid. It's called Hardin's. And next to it, they, they put in this store, and never will forget, it was called Dolly Madison. And at Dolly Madison, you could go over there, and you could get, like, the day-old bread. 
But the cool thing is you like you can like fill a bag full of donuts and Twinkies and honey buns. And in those days I had a metabolism, so it didn't matter. But 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 you know, stale bread versus fresh out of the oven, man, just Let's just close our eyes and smell. Do you, do you smell some really good bread? Okay, so you see where I'm at. Well, Jesus says, come daily. You don't store up his word. See, a lot of Christians and people around the church, they go, oh, we go to church pretty regular on Sundays or two or three times a month. You cannot get enough of God's diet in one day a week in celebration. It takes a daily intake of the word of God. And God's church said, I mean, you've got to intake. You, I mean, it's been a habit for 30 years. God, you are bread. You sustain my life. God, you nourish me. And, and I preach this so many ways about the goodness of God and His mercy. And we talk about uh, how we need to get in the Word and how we need to have daily devotionals and quiet times. And I'm just going to keep hammering that till Jesus comes because I'm convinced so many people don't have victory because they don't have a daily intake. So here it is. They don't take in the fresh bread, the, the bread of heaven. You see, a lot of times we need to seek God, or we always need to seek Him as the answer to our needs. See, all of us have gathered this morning on this campus, and we have different needs. And some of them are alike, and some are very different, but they're all very real and authentic to us. And God wants to meet it, and yet we trade in the inner peace because we don't go to the provider being Abba, Papa, Father. So God wants us to run to Him. It's like, I understand this. If you're here and you've been here for a while, you understand I have two daughters. And if you're new, yes, I have one wife. That's a good thing to have. And I have two daughters. And they're 23 and 18. And I love my daughters. And and God has built within man the ability, the desire to do good things for your kids. You you grandparents, I mean, it's amazing. Y'all love to give good gifts to your grandchildren and to your great-grandchildren. And, and your moms and dads, you like to give good gifts. And yet, as we give gifts... And we're imperfect. Boy, am I imperfect. If I know how to give good gifts, how much more does my heavenly Papa love to give good gifts to those that love Him? But you see, how many have figured it out your resources are limited? You would like to do more for your kids and grandkids? You're like, well, no, they got everything I got now. But, but the thing is, God never runs out. He's an endless supply of grace, an endless supply of resources. So let's build. Listen to the first word. The first word is give. Okay, it's a four-letter word. It's very simple. We think about John three sixteen. For God so loved that He gave. It's all the Christian message. It's about giving, following Christ, giving our lives, giving our hearts back to Him. And no matter whether we're poor, affluent, uneducated, educated. White, black, Asian, whatever, it doesn't matter. We all come at the same place and we're all dependent upon God. You see, if God closed off heaven right now and withdrew His mercy and grace, if God withdrew the elements and the air we breathe, we'd be in serious trouble. If He put the sun out or let it come a little closer, we would be crispy critters for by afternoon. I mean, there's so many things that God gives us. I mean, like God gives us breath, life, friendship, companionship. Vision, hope, peace, joy, eternal life. And God is such a giver of good gifts. And let's look at Psalm 104, 27. These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. Creation even cries out, blessed are you, Hosanna. Uh, the animals, they look to God to be nourished. And us as those that are made in the image of God, God gives everything that we have. You're like, well, God didn't give me. Yes, he did. You're saying, well, God, he made me work 50 or 60 hours so I could have a good income. Well, 
Who do you think gave you the job? Who do you think gave you the brain cells to be able to get that job? Who allowed you to do the things you do? God gives good gifts. And God spoke it into existence. And we had life. And he gives us things this morning. I'm, I'm just thinking, what are the things we could just enumerate? God, you have been so good to me. How many of you feel like God's been good to you this morning? Okay. Well, some of you aren't convinced. I'm going to show you a video in a little bit, and you're going to be so incredibly humble. You're going to walk with your head down there going, God, you are awesome. And that's the whole reason. But let's go there in a minute. So God has chosen not to close his hand. He's chosen to give us mercy and pour out his grace because he's the giver of good things. Now, some of us want to feed our greed, and God wants to feed our soul. And the word, the spirit, feeds the, the spirit man. And the, the flesh, the carnal, the things of this world feeds the flesh. And you never can sustain or get enough in the flesh. The flesh always wants more, and God wants to build. So what are we feeding? It's like there's things that have, of this world that steal our time, our energy, our life, our affection. They just rip us off, and yet they say, eat me, wear me, upgrade me, get me a faster one, get me a pretty one, get me a slicker one, whatever. And at some point we all buy that, and some more than others. And yet God says, I'm the one that meets every single need that you have. And you know, God meets our wants too. I mean, he doesn't have to, but he loves to give good gifts. And, and here in the Western world, we have so many wants met. Would you agree with that? I mean, we live in wonderful homes, and we have nice automobiles, and we have clothes, and we have food, and we have Costco, and Sam's, we'll talk about that later. We have all these things. Listen to Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Now, I like that. Let's break it down. Remember, remember God, Father, he's the one that provides. And then secondly, he gives you the ability to produce for yourself and for your family. But sometimes we think, well, I did it. No, no, you didn't do it. I mean, you went to work. You did get the paycheck. But God gave you the ability. And it's a humble position when we go, Father, Without you, I, I'm nothing. Without you, I, I couldn't have the discipline or I couldn't have the ability. I couldn't make the sales. I couldn't do my job. I, I wouldn't have the strength to go. I wouldn't have the wisdom to even know how to get there or what to do. God, you're good. He's so good. So let's just hold that thought. And then the second part is, so it's give. And then he goes, give us. Us is plural. Us infers corporate community. It infers the people in this room. It infers the body of Christ. It infers our family. It infers our extended family. It extends our, our friends. And it, it expands to our enemies. And it even expands to those in other countries. I mean, that's why the people this morning are going to Mexico. They're going to meet the needs for a basic house. Somebody's been living under a cardboard box or under a tarp, and when they leave next week, they will dedicate a house to the glory of the Lord Jesus, and they will live in a home. An awesome home for you. You're like, what's so great about it? Two bedrooms and a big family room and screen doors and windows and a door to lock and a cement slab. And they've been living on dirt. I mean, it's a, I, I've done three of them already. And I cry every time that we have dedication and we give glory to Jesus. And we bless one another and we bless our Mexican brothers. But he says here, give us. Uh, but some of us are loath lovers. We just want it for ourselves. We're self-absorbed. We're selfish. And I want you to fill in the blank. We not only pray for our needs, but we pray for the community. The community is those people at large. We're Christ's community. We reach the river region. We reach the nations. We reach the planet for Jesus by what we try to do. Did you know 36,000 kids die every day because of starvation? And yet I'm kind of thinking about, I sure would like to know what I'm going to have for lunch today. How many of you are hungry? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to get used to this new thing. I didn't usually leave at 1230. Now I, get, I leave here about 1 o'clock. I make it to the restaurant. And at 1 o'clock, I'm ready to knock you down if you're in my way. In Jesus' name, I'll bless you and put my hand on you. I will put my hand on you, but I might forget to bless you. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm finding now, as, as I get to a place at 1 o'clock, most people are already done. And they're like, y'all must have a long-winded preacher. I'm like, well, hello, it's me. But no, it's because we've been here all morning. We've had people here at 7, 7.30, 8.45, 9.45, and now 11.15. But man, we're loving it. We're eating it up. It's energizing. But I want you to, I want you to see something because here's what's going to happen. There's a church some of you know about, and I love it and know the pastor, don't know him well. We've had former members in our church that live in Birmingham. And it's called the Church of the Highlands up there. And Don and I got to go there Labor Day weekend. And as we were there, I went up because I've met Chris a few times, and he's a great communicator. wanted to hear him, and he wasn't there. And it's kind of like us preachers, we take off sometimes on holidays because we feel like there might be a good time to be gone because you won't have as heavy guest on a, on a holiday. And I got there and Chris was gone, so I was bummed out. I ran into my friend Philip Jeregi. He goes, hey, you're going to love the speaker today. I go, well, what's his name? He goes, Dino. Dino? What is that, a dinosaur? He goes, no, man, Dino Rizzo. He, he is awesome. I said, well, I can't wait. I know he's going to be God's man. He gives this message, man, it really touched my heart. And I asked permission to use what I'm fixing to show you. And this right here is fixing to humble you in the next three minutes. Because he's going to show you how good God is and how awesome God has blessed every person in this room. Let's watch this screen together. Thank you. 
Yeah, wow. Amen. Because the truth is, did you see that? 53 out of the 100 struggle to live on $2 a day. Wow. Are we a blessed people? Absolutely. So I just wanted you to see that because he says, give us today. So us was the corporate community side. And he says today. See, God's not, a lot of times in the church, people are like, well, I'm going to get my praying done for the week. If I come Sunday and I can really pray up and get some people pray for me, I'm prayed up, I'm, I'm charged for at least a week, maybe a month. No, you're not. You see, if you don't have that daily intake of prayer and relationship and talking and listening to him, You'll really never make it as a disciple of Christ. So he says, give us today. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And this morning, some of you are just holding on to the cares of this world. And you're being choked out. And God's saying, give it up. I'm a good papa. I'm a, I'm a good abba. I'm a good father. I, I want you to see. I mean, in Exodus chapter 16, and I won't read it for you, but just write in Exodus 16, there's an amazing story. The, the people of God, the, the Old Testament, some 3,000 years ago, God's people, they've been in captivity. It's 400 years after captivity by Egypt, and it's been a rough existence. They've been set free by the power of God. They've been freed from Pharaoh. They've been freed from the ten plagues. I mean, man, life is starting to get a lot better for them. Uh, Pharaoh's come down to his knees. The Egyptian empire has fallen. Only one month out from this scene that I'm trying to set up for you. And we come to a situation in Scripture, and it says that God met their needs, and He gave them meat every evening, and He gave them bread every day. And meat every evening, and bread every day. And He just gave it, and He gave it, gave it for 40 years. And, and He gave this white substance, it's like the dew would dissipate, and, the, and, and this white, like, frosted flakes would, like, cover the ground. And, and the people would go, what is it? Well, that's exactly what manna means. What is it? But it was something, angel food or whatever, but it would nourish their bodies. And they would have meat and they would have manna. They had manicotti, manna burgers, boiled, baked, fried, sliced, cut. I mean, see, I understand this a little bit. When I went to Venezuela back in the 90s, we would eat plantains and bananas, sliced, cut, boiled, fried. And to this day, if I see a banana, I, I mean, I just that's regurgitate. I mean, they're like gross. I mean, I will eat them in a little pudding, you know, if you doctor it up with enough other stuff. But the idea of just eating a banana, I'm just like, I've already had that. And I only ate them for a week every meal. I mean, can you imagine? Listen to this. I mean, so God, he, he was so good, he would provide daily. And then on Sabbath, he would provide it the day before because they couldn't work then. So we'd give them a little extra. And some people would go, we're going to stockpile our manna. And listen to what happened to the manna that got stockpiled. Maggots would form in it, and it would get infested, and it would spoil. And God was like, no, I give daily bread. And that's the kind of God he is. This morning he's giving daily bread. So I did some math. Listen to this. There were three million people there possibly. They got two quarts a person. Two times three is six million quarts a day. 2.2 billion quarts per year. Over 80 billion quarts of manna in a 40-year period. That's a lot of manna, folks. I mean, that would fill up some stadiums, wouldn't it? And they were sick of it, but yet God provided. Now, I, I just told you an Old Testament story, but I want to put it down here where we live today in 2008. What? Write this down. What is your manna? And your manna would be, what is it that every 24-hour period of time, it drives you to say, God, I trust you. See, the people of old... They trusted God for mere provision to eat. 
And today, we all have a need for manna and for food and bread and those things. But there's something that drives us. And God is just trying to get our attention and go, what is it that drives you to say, God, I trust you? See, it's a little bit hard, though, because, y'all, we, we don't totally get it. I don't totally get it. I mean, I'm blessed. You're blessed. We have a refrigerator. Then we have a refrigerator in the garage. We have a freezer. And we have a place called Sam's. And my new favorite place is Costco. And you go into Costco, and you can just, like, get, man, just, you don't get mana burgers, but you can just get all you want in there, can't you? And you can load it up, and I see people there, and they're, they're getting 48 rolls of toilet tissue. I mean, if you don't have some diarrhea or something going on, I mean, 48 rolls at a time. I'm like, dude, how much toilet paper can one person go through, or a family of four or five? Like, well, it's, and, 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 and then they, they got family coming, and they go up by 48 more rolls, like, the next week. I'm like, man. This is crazy. But, but, see, we don't understand it, do we, in our, in our society? Because we just go out and fill our buggy. I, I don't, I don't shop at groceries. I mean, Donna's done that. She's blessed me. I occasionally go get something. And if I go to get something at the grocery store, she's like, what took you two hours? I went, I ran into some people. I've been talking. But I went shopping with her today. She goes, baby, we're going to lunch and I need you to go to Walmart with him. We've got a grocery run. And, and, and trying to be a good husband because Matt talked to us about not being mere men. I said, yes, ma'am. And I went to Walmart. And, can I just tell you? I hate Walmart. I mean, you know, I mean, it's a cool store and I'm glad we get to go and I'm glad we have money. But man, I don't understand the fetish with Walmart. Why anybody wants to live there? I mean, they have a subway down there, you know, and you go down there, firehouse subs. And Brad, I go down there and get your firehouse subs. And I think you ought to put one up here too. I mean, that's cool. But man, just to go hang out in Walmart, man, get a life. Okay, let's, let's move on. Here it is. The next one. We are to be anxious for nothing. See, God's all about it. You know, today I read this. It says that one out of eight Americans between 18 and 54 years of age suffer from some kind of anxiety disorder. There are people right here in this room that are taking medication for anxiety. And, and God gives a prescription, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything but by with every but in everything by prayer and petition with your thanksgiving present your requests to god which transcends all understanding which will guard your hearts and minds in christ so what does he say do here don't, don't worry don't don't worry about what you're going to eat tomorrow don't worry about what you're going to wear don't worry about this and that trust me god what am i trusting you what are you trusting god for today some of you are like, man, I'm just trusting God to help us buy the diapers because our kids, man, they just run through them. You know, like they're disposable. Well, they're supposed to be run through. And you're like, well, man, our hamburgers don't last. Our steak doesn't last. Our hot dogs don't last. Hey, oh, here's one. This is one. This is a 2008 current one. How many of you get so excited every time you go to the fuel pump and you just love driving your vehicle? I mean, little cars now can drink 30 and $45 worth of gas. And if you have a big honking SUV, you might spend 70 80 $90, and then you go, I'm broke. Well, you ought to be broke if you just spent $90 on your fuel. And I've got friends, and they've been telling me about, man, I'm whining. And they're like, it's worth it. Well, that's cool. And others are like, well, I said, well, look, don't whine about it. Just be grateful. Don't be anxious. All right, look at this. Here's the thought, the fog bank. Uh, the fog bank, uh, you know, they, they form in different parts of the country because of temperature. But there was this one I was reading about, and it had a 100-foot width. And they said if you took this massive thing that, like, would stop people and they couldn't see the stop signs or whatever. It said if you took the water that was condensed out of the fog bank, it would just fill a little bottle of water. And there's some things that are holding us back that we don't see what God has for us because we're, we're anxious. We're not trusting Him. Look at the next one. The Father meets our needs according to His riches, not out of. This morning if I walked up to you and I went, give me some money for lunch. And you had 40 bucks and, I, and you said, I'll give you 20 well, you know, what you just did is you just gave me out of your 40, you gave me half, 
And therefore, you're going to have to change your plans about where you're going to lunch or how much fuel you're going to put in your car. But see, our God says, I don't give out of, I give according to my riches. They're endless. They're unlimited. God's resources never run out. I, I'm, I mean, they're more than enough. It's an ample supply. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 says this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. See, the writer of Proverbs there, he knew that if he had plenty, he might not bless God. He knew if he had so much, he might just look to himself and say, I am self-sufficient one. And we learned years ago when I taught a, a series out of Colossians, the supremacy of Christ is enough. Jesus Christ is a sufficient one this morning, church. Is that not right? He is the all-conquering, all-time sufficient meter of our needs. And this morning, some of you have bigger needs than other needs. And, and some of us need to share some needs with others. I mean, there's a situation just came to our church, and, and I'm proud. Some people found out about a need, and they stepped up, and they met the need of another family that had some pretty tough measure. That's what the body of Christ ought to do. And your family, when your family's going through a hard time, you ought to try to meet the needs of them. And there's somebody else. I mean, it, it, it's just a God thing to give. And look, look at this thought. We will never deplete God's resources they're unfathomable. Hey, I pastor a church here, and I love this place. And we've been blessed with resources over the years. In the last two months, they've been kind of interesting. Well, that they're building my prayer, okay? And 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 I'm like, God, you're not weak. You're not limited. But we're acting like we're limited, and so I'm trusting. And there's a good friend here, Mike and Lisa, that run Covenant Family Ministry, character at heart. They understand. They they live by faith, and they and they have a budget and. And the budget's a work plan, isn't it, brother? And you go, wow, what a cool concept when it works. I mean, how many of you have budgets at home and it's really good when it works? What about when it doesn't work? What do you do? You sit around and sing Kumbaya and hold hands? We need to pray. Say, God, you meet our what? Our daily needs. You know, what's your need this morning? Health, finances, relationships, spiritual things, emotional. I, I, I don't know what it is. I was talking to a good friend yesterday, one of my best friends in life, and his father-in-law's not long for this world. He's dying. He's right at the end. His kidneys have shut down. And we're just praying for peace. I mean, what do they have need of right now? The comforter. Just for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to him in his dying days. And, and then we have living days and wherever we find ourselves. Uh, but there's two errors we make. Number one, we ask too little of God. We just ask too little. We think God... This is too small to bring for you, to you, so I'll just give you the big stuff. I will assure you God is concerned about every one of you this morning and your concerns. And he wants to meet our needs. And then some of us ask too lightly. We, we have a, a trap of entitlement. But I heard this story I thought was pretty good about the, this kid. And uh, he was in the war, and he lost his father and his brother. And he said, I'm going to go see the president. I'm going to go see President Lincoln. I, I, want to go, I want to be able to go home and take care of my mama and my sister. So he went to the president, and he goes up to the gate, and they, he goes, what are you doing? He says, well, I, I'm here to see the president. He goes, son, he doesn't have time to see you. He, he, he's, he's, you know, overseeing the war. He says, go home and, and get back to the war. So he left, and he's kind of dejected, and he walked off, and he walked down to a bench, and he sat down there. There's this little boy sitting there, and the little boy looked at him. I said, sir, you seem really unhappy, soldier. He goes, well, I am. He says, I'm here to see the president and told him his situation. He goes, man, that's really sad. He says, well, don't be sad. I can help you. He says, Whatever. So he takes him by the hand and he walks him down the road and he walks him up to the gate and they, 
uh, just motioned a boy to come in. They walked right on into the White House, and he walks on in. He walks past the generals that didn't give him the time of day earlier. And then he walked into the Secretary of State, and his dad just looks over at him, calls him by name, and says, Son, what can I do for you? He says, Well, Dad, I met this really nice soldier down here on the bench, and he really needs to see you, and he thinks you could do something about it. Dad, could you help my friend? Well, can I tell you this morning? There's someone so much greater than the President of the United States. His name is Jesus. And right now, if you know Him, you have access to the Father. First John says you have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. And you can go to Him and He runs your petitions to the Father. Isn't that good news, church? And that's what we can do today. Some of us are like, well, gee, I didn't know that or I don't practice that enough. And God says, I want you to do it. Here it is. Give us today our daily bread. It didn't say our weekly or monthly bread. It said our daily bread. And see, in our, and as I was talking about earlier, we have a hard time. In the, in the Greek, the word is E-P-I-O-S. E-P-I-O-S here. And it means day to day. They couldn't even translate this word to the 40s when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And when they found these Dead Sea Scrolls, they were finally able to do some linguistics and, and they tracked it down. They went, this word really means day to day. See, the, the Greek language is so exact versus our language. But we, we lose concept of that because we're so blessed. But sometimes I've often wondered, because of our abundant blessing of God, sometimes we miss the most important blessing, our relationship with Him, because we put those things ahead of Him. So what does daily bread mean? Just look there, read it for yourself. I like what Martin Luther said in 1529. But as you move through this, you see that God says, Declare your daily dependence on Me. I am the one that is worthy, and I am the one that meets all your needs, according to not out of my riches in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for the hope. And then I want you to listen to this uh, passage from Deuteronomy 8.3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds that comes from the mouth of God. God says we don't live on bread alone, on bread as good as it is. He says, we live on Jesus, Jesus incarnate, and on the Word of God, we go, God, we need your Word to nourish our souls this morning and tomorrow and next week. So some of us this morning, are we trusting God for something big or are we not? He wants us to. I want you to fill in this. It says, John six thirty three, For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and He gives life to the world. Jesus comes to give you and I life this morning. Life in the taking, life in the receiving, life in the choosing, life in the trusting. God, you're an awesome God. I, I think about these little babies that came. They'll be nourished by their moms and by their, by their families, and they'll be nourished physically and emotionally and physically and materially and in so many ways. But the most important thing that those moms and dads can do is to nourish their children with the Word of Jesus and give them Christ. That's why I always get excited when a, a child, we dedicate them, and a few years later, they give their life to the Savior. Maybe you're a big kid today. You're an adult. You're an older adult. You're a teenager, wherever you are, and you've never given your life to Jesus. Today would be a great day to go, Lord, I want to get in on your generosity and your mercy. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, here's today. Give us today our daily bread. And we'll pick up next week. 
Right now, what are you trusting God for? Are you trusting Him to fix your marriage? Are you trusting Him to renew your heart? Are you trusting Him to give you a paycheck? Are you trusting Him to give you healing in your body? Are you trusting Him to be the comforter? Can I just tell you what I just found out right before I came on stage? We've got a tremendous challenge at the airport right now. Somehow the airline tickets, and we do this all the time. Randy, you can really appreciate this. Something happened to the airline tickets, and, and they're having some disputes, and the plane is booked, and they aren't going to be able to get out like we had planned. So now they're going to have to break the, the group up and getting them to Ansanat. I can just tell you that creates incredible stress. I wish they were here hearing this message right now saying, God, you can even meet the need for our missionaries to have sleep and rest and comfort. Can you agree with what I'm saying here, church? And today, you're going to have need for daily bread. And tomorrow, and on and on. That's God's word for a Sunday morning. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I pray that some right now will just call upon the name of Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, you are the bread of heaven. Would you come and feed me? Would you come and be my Savior and Lord and cleanse me by your blood? I trust you now. I trust you, Jesus. And maybe today you're just sitting there and you're, and you're just thinking, hey, this is where I'm at, Pastor. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm, I'm discouraged. I'm distraught. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm a Christ follower. But my faith doesn't match that which I say. Lord, give more faith today. Increase faith in this room right now. Expand faith. Expand borders of witness and influence for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room. God, we thank you that you're at work in our hearts today by faith in Jesus. Our daily bread. Lord, you're what we need. Feed us bread of heaven. And cause us to share the bread of life with somebody else that's hungry. I love what somebody once said. A true disciple is one that finds the bread and they go share it with another beggar. Let's break from this camp, campus today out of celebration and share the love of a mighty Savior. That He's able to meet all our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. You are more than enough, mighty God. God's people said.